Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Hunt, 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 Welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. I'm your host, Eric Clark, and I don't talk about what I know, I talk about what I want to know. That way no one can come back at me and tell me I'm not an expert. I already know that. Um, Today we're going to be talking about coyote hunting and specifically how to call them in. Uh, Per the episode last week, we had a couple inquiries about more specifics on how to actually call a coyote in, and I don't know how to do that. So I read some articles online and felt that I was seeing too much of um, things that were, were not making sense. Some people would say this works and the other guy would say that doesn't work. And someone would say, Oh no, it does work. And so I, I took it upon myself to find a guest who is highly qualified. You can find him on a recent, um, publication of the on Wisconsin outdoors, uh, periodical. It is Terry Russ of Russ tree service, who happens to be one hell of a coyote hunter. And you'll hear all about it on this episode. So, in uh, honor of keeping things moving and try to keep it short and sweet, I'm going to go ahead and bring him on right now. All right, we're going to go ahead and welcome Terry Russ to the show. Thanks for being on the show today, Terry. Thank you. Cool. Um, Want to get into a couple of things here, and uh, before we go too far, let's get an introduction underway here. Uh, tell us about yourself, your experience and expertise with coyote hunting. Well, I've probably been hunting coyotes for 15, 18 years, and in that time I've called in probably 10 different states and called and shot coyotes in 10 different states, including Wisconsin. Uh, My total is up around 550 or something like that, and I've shot quite a few bobcats, fox, badgers, and other different things in different states. Uh, And I I don't know what it is, but it just gives me a good adrenaline rush when I do it, so I just continually do it and I own my own tree service so it's kind of a thing I don't do it as much as I'd like to but as much as I can get out there in the winter time I do it oh yeah so even after 500 plus kills or you still get the adrenaline rush every time huh yeah it's still and if they come in from a long long distance it's by the time they you know like when I'm out west you can see them for a mile coming in by the time they get to me sometimes it's like hard to make a good shot because you're so excited <laughs> that's crazy yeah it's, it's cool just on a small side, what what kind of rifle do, do you bring? A sidearm, a rifle, shotgun? What do you? What's your weapon of choice most most often? My favorite gun is an AR and two twenty three, but I have different uppers made. I have it in seventeen Remington, two hundred four Ruger, and two forty three Super Short Meg, which I use more open country for longer shots. Mm-hmm. And I shot a Bobcat at five hundred and sixty five, and a Coyote at five hundred and eighty yards. Wow! My longest shots. It's not even fair. <laughs> it might have awesome. been a little locked too but i don't know <laughs> that's crazy and then that's one shot one kill you're putting them down right yeah that's the word on the street here i read that about your uh about you in the article from on wisconsin outdoors you're a pretty badass shot 
Yeah, I guess I've just had a good year this year, but yeah, it pays to be a good shot. I never get as much practice as I'd like to because I'm so busy in the summertime. Otherwise, I'd like to practice shooting at longer distances, but time is a thing. Yeah, well, for you, it might be like riding a bike. You never forget, apparently. You're doing pretty good. Yeah, well, when I was a kid, I always had BB guns and pellet guns, and I'd spend hours and hours shooting those, and I guess it just helped with training the trigger and the eye to matching up. Yeah, and, awesome. and sometimes when I'm out west and or even around here, if I'm hunting in thicker country, I'll use a shotgun with a extra tight choke and some dead coyote buckshot, mm-hmm. which works good out to like 60, 70 yards. That's quite the distance still for a shotgun. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to move along, try to keep it as, as uh, efficient as possible just so we can uh, keep people's attention here. But one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on the show is that I had a couple of inquiries about more specifics on how to call coyotes in. Um, you're doing this at night, right? More often than yes. not? Okay. Around here, out west, I go during the day because they're not as nocturnal because there's not as many people around. Makes sense. They're kind of like raccoons in Wisconsin. Yeah. In the east east side of this country. Uh, raccoons are a pain in the ass. I freaking had a battle camping with raccoons last summer. <laughs> Chucking beer cans at them. I don't know what else to do. Um, it's a whole other story. So how, how, many, <laughs> how, many, uh, how many calls, how many different types of calls are there for a coyote? Oh, thousands probably. What categories would you break them up to? Uh, like distress calls, which is like rabbit, goat, cow, pig, bird, you know, animals in distress more or less what it is. And then you have all your different coyote vocalizations, which there's probably 30 or 40 that they make. And as, as someone that's like yourself that's been doing this for as long as you have with the success that you've had, um, do you get familiar with what, what those are? Kind of like how someone gets used to what, you know, they know what when their baby's crying, why it's crying, and what it means. Uh, I think more or less what they're doing is just coming in to kill something in their territory is more or less what it is. So they're just making their presence known to other coyotes? Yeah. Mother Nature's way of calling the, the herd to make things more healthy. Interesting. Yeah, because unlike, unlike wolves, coyotes are more or less loners uh, versus wolves are more family and pack orientated. But you're saying like when they'll come in, they'll call and more will come? Yeah, it just happened the other night. I shot one, came crunching in on the snow. I didn't see him, and I turned around, and he was like 30 yards from my decoy in front. I shot that one, and then I kept calling for another half hour, 40 minutes, and heard some more crunching. I looked out in my night vision, and there was another one coming in. And this one came up. The other one I shot, I hit him right in the heart, and it took off running for like 50 yards and did a death death run and then died and tumbled. And uh, this other one came in and walked up like five yards from the tracks where the blood trail was and then kind of started looking around. So boom, I shot that one. They were laying like 30 yards apart. I've had them where they were almost nose to nose where they're laying down after I shot them. That's crazy. And that's that's because you're – and that's that scenario you're using um... – like the calls of a coyote itself and not the stress call yeah. of a different animal, right? Basically all. I'll mix in a few bird sounds just to sometimes make them feel like there's a natural feeling to them so they're not spooked at all. But That's a lot of times after that, use coyote and distress calls. Hmm. Okay, and then so I guess uh, it's going to be tough to ask some of these questions because there are so many variables, but... In your experience, which has been the most effective? Call? Yeah. I guess it depends on what time of year it is. Like right now, howling is probably the best way to do it. 
really near different distress calls are better. Why like, Why is that um, as far as winter being a good time for the, the howling or distress for some other time of the year? Well, now because they're right coming towards the end of mating season, so they get territorial over their area and territorial over a female and over their pups and stuff like that. And then early in the season, about September, October, they kind of push all the pups out of the, you know, from the den and the pack in the area, they push them out because there's not enough food to feed all the big, big dogs anymore. Mm-hmm. So then you get all these dogs or solitary dogs trying to find their own little territory. So they move into any area they can find where the coyotes haven't claimed it already. Mm-hmm. And they're real naive. So they'll come into anything, anything they hear looking for food. Wow. That's kind of cool. Good to know. This is why I'm asking you these questions. <laughs> Stuff I don't know. Um, so, what, th- and we talked about this before I hit the record, the record button. Um, but I had read an article where someone had stated, you know, hey, I don't, I don't use a mouse call um, until they are close by because they had said allegedly the coyote, if it hears it from a long distance, it could, it could potentially know that, you know, that's a false call because it shouldn't be able to hear a mouse at that distance. So, in what? What scenarios are best suited for which type of call going off of that um, article, which I don't think is 100% true, obviously. No, that's totally false because when I first started calling, all I used was hand calls until I kept getting more in-depth to it, so I wanted more and more different things to use, and you get sick of blowing them off call after a while, too, somewhat. First thing I started was just a turkey read call, and I used that. And you can do a, like a dying rabbit on that or a howl with that. So it's kind of, some people only use hand calls. That's all they swear by, you know, and they do Mm -hmm. pretty good. And it seems like this day and age, there's so many more people using electronic calls that they're starting to get kind of more used to the repetition of an electronic call. Versus having your own, you can kind of change up the intervals and the intensity. and Yeah, and everybody sounds different from their own mouth. Mm -hmm. Last year I was out hunting up north and, uh, I set that stand and I had my call out there and the thing wouldn't work. But luckily I had a couple of calls in my pocket and I used the mouth calls and I called one and I shot one. So that's cool. So variety, yeah. kind of like uh, I don't know. I don't golf, but it seems like a golfer has a club for all sorts of different situations. You kind of want to be prepared for every, for anything. Yeah, and with electronic calls, you can have just about any song. I got like sound. I have 135 on my electronic caller right now. And I was going to put a few more on there. I always add some calls. You go through them. You don't use probably, but, you know, 10 or 20 calls out of there. But it's nice to have them. Like during the day, sometimes I'll just switch on a bunch of crow calls and get a big swarm of crows going over the top of me just to make <laughs> it sound more realistic, you know. <laughs> wow, man. That's like, it's almost like you're some sort of sorcerer at that point in, in Mother Nature. You're conjuring up crows to cover anything else up bring it up yeah that's cool there, see that's like i never would have thought of that um just by reading or something like that and having if i go out and do it obviously you'll learn by doing so i'll learn more as i go but talking to someone like yourself who's had the experience man that's that's a freaking great tip yeah and same thing when i come down new mexico i use raven calls and they come in that's all i use raven calls sometimes they hear a bunch of ravens they know there's some food there so they come in and check it out that's crazy. Because I've had it this time of year where I first started, I'd use a rabbit in South Dakota, and I was using a rabbit call, and I seen a coyote way out there. As soon as I hit the rabbit call, I seen him turn around and run the other way. <laughs> wow. I mean, they're pretty tough. So, okay, so that brings me to my next question then. How, 
I don't know if there's a, a direct answer here, a direct distance, but how far can you call a coyote from? How far can they hear a call? Oh, long ways. I say this time of year they'll probably come maybe the farthest because of you're in their territory or whatever, maybe like another month from now when they're all paired up and making their den and then they guard it real fiercely. Mm-hmm. But I'd say a mile or two miles. Wow. That's a bit. I mean, I've like, had them run. Like they howled at me. I could barely hear them. And then I keep calling and all of a sudden you hear them howl again. You can tell they're getting closer. And then before you know it, like, you know, half hour, 40 minutes, they're all the way to you. That's crazy. What um, what do you find drives the most interactivity where there's a back and forth? Is that the howling? Yeah. So that's got to be kind of fun, huh? Yeah, I just had one the other night, Saturday night. I was out and I shot two of them, and then one ran away and was hiding behind these trees, and we were howling back and forth for probably 45 minutes to an hour. I could never get that one to come in, so I kind of gave up. I was saying, F you, pal. I'm not moving. <laughs> yeah. That's but I could funny. tell he, he would move away. I could tell he was quieter. And then I changed up to a couple different howls and stuff, and then he moved in closer. He was real loud again. Then he moved back, so he was going back and forth. I almost had him to, got him to come in, but or if he did come in, maybe I didn't see him because it was kind of thick brush on some parts where he was, but you never know. So just, just to stir things up a little bit, is there – like I would be a little nervous to walk away from that situation having not shot him, knowing he's still right there. Have you had any, um, like, I know you said it's adrenaline, you get a lot of adrenaline out of doing this, but have you had any close encounters, so to speak, with a coyote or any other predator that you've hunted? Well, I've had them, when I first started calling, I'd just put the calling box right up in front of me. And I've had them come running in, where I shoot them, they end up laying by my feet. But the only other close encounter I have is if I shoot one and I would actually wound them. Like in South Dakota, I shot one, and he went out there. They got a lot of draws and gullies and stuff, and this one dove down into a hole in the ground. Oh. And he was way down, like, it was kind of like a upside-down volcano, you know, a cone-shaped. Yep. So I climbed down in there, and I could see him down in there. I grabbed him by his tail, and little did I know he was still alive. And as I was pulling him up, he turned around, and he tried to bite me, and luckily I had my gun right up my other hand. Mm-hmm. I just turned around, swung my air on, and pow, hit him again before he could bite me blew out my eardrums though because i was down in the hole Jeez, <laughs> oh, yeah that'll get you going holy crap yeah i got holes in some of my boots from biting me and stuff you know you're in there yeah that's crazy that's like so do you do you, do you try to not grab the tail now when you get up <laughs> just, you just like poke them in the eye be sure they're dead or what no i i guess i just like more of like a adrenaline rush and stuff like oh. that it doesn't bother me so <laughs> One time I did the same thing. I was hunting in Texas, and I shot a bobcat, and it was back in the bushes. But that one I wasn't dumb enough to get too close to. I ran back to the truck and got the shotgun so I wouldn't tear his hide up too much. Nice. Um, we talked about this before I hit the record button, too. But how much time, uh, I don't know, do you think someone needs to spend with, like, these hand calls or, like, the, the mouth calls or whatever before they'll get the hang of it? Like, uh, successfully as far as... I mean, that's obviously subjective or, or different per each person, but a right. general kind of rule of thumb, if you were to like start taking this seriously and get at it, you'd probably want how much of your time dedicated to this before you think you'd be any good at it. If you use a close recall, which is one that you just kind of blow, like blowing air through it, you can master that probably pretty quick. 
in 20 minutes or something. But the open read, it's got like a little read on it, kind of like a musical instrument. Mm -hmm. And then you put your uh, tooth under your lip on it and how far up and down back, how much pressure you put on it, how hard you blow, all varied. So it's kind of got to train yourself to use that. It's going to be kind of fun to learn that stuff too. And then how much... How much do the electronic calls range from if you want, if you're just getting into it versus you're kind of more of an intermediate, do you want to add more? You said you have 135, I think, earlier. Yeah. Dollars. So how, what, what does that look like in dollars? What are you getting? Well, with all the extra calls in there, it's probably around $1,000 or so. Oh, man, you're not kidding. Holy crap. At an entry level, is that a couple hundred bucks? Yeah, you, you can get electronic calls all the way from probably $50 to 800 which is about the price why I paid for mine, 700 now they are. When they first came out, they were more expensive. Now they're getting cheaper because there's more and more of them on the market. But so you, is, you keep adding more calls, so then it costs you more money. So then, so you buy the device, and then the upcharge comes in, like, you know, the, the getting the, getting more calls. Kind of like a, you buy a razor, now you got to pay 17 bucks for two more razors. Yeah, for the calls I use, because they're all digitally live recorded, like three feet from the animal's mouth. Mm-hmm. They're a little more expensive. Like on some of the sites, you can go and download calls for free. But a lot of them are just people making a sound with hand calls too. Interesting. Hmm. I suppose you so, could like you could probably you get good enough at it, you could start to sell those, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's one way to go. Probably could. So, how do you, so you, you do you provide service to people um, who need predation removed off of their land for any reason? Is that yeah. something that you, you're, okay. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Right now I'm just kind of doing it for shits and grins. You might want to call it just for the, you know, getting more hunting spots to hunt. Mm-hmm. If I start getting a lot of spots, then eventually I might start charging for it. But right, right now, now it's just kind of a hobby for me. So the more spots I can get, the better. With coyote hunting, you don't, I've found over the years, is the less time you hit a spot, the better. Mm-hmm. So if I can hunt each spot once or twice a year, it just increases my odds of shooting the coyotes. So it's almost like really exciting to say, all right, I got a new patch of land I'm going to go dig into here, and that means yeah. I probably have a prob- higher probability of getting something, huh? Definitely. I, okay. yeah, I, I go out and knock on doors, and I get something, and I'm excited to go out, check out the land then. But then after you hunt it once and shoot a couple, it's like, oh, you don't have as good a chance as going back and getting them out of there the same year. But I was just like Saturday night I was telling you I was hunting the other day and that was a spot where they've had people hunting there a lot. And I didn't just because it was a it's a like a pheasant farm. Yep. I figured out oh, what the hell I'll give it a shot, you know, and I howled and within twenty seconds of me howling they howled back at me and within another four or five minutes I could see him coming in. That's cool. That's super cool. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to have luck there at all, but that's the thing you never know. So if you don't get out of bed and try it, you're not going to know. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's an interesting way to get a thrill. I, I used to be more of an adrenaline junkie. I think I just found another another vice to get me back on board with that. <laughs> yeah. I've been highly interested way. in it, which is why we're doing this uh, this type of episode here cause I, so I can learn more. I'm very selfish when I do these podcasts. I try to do things that I want to learn about. I'm not an expert on most of the stuff, but I, I definitely want to gain more information. I assume I'm not the only one. So appreciate taking the time today to talk about it. Um, how can people get in touch with you if they want to uh, kill some coyotes? 
I can give you my two phone numbers. One is 414-422-9298. That's my home number and my tree service number. There'll be an answering machine on that one. My other one's my cell number, which is 414-975-6785. Cool. And then uh, do you want to drop a line for your tree service too? Once when, when things start heating up, if anyone revisits it's a, this episode, they need a tree trap down. Who are they going to call? They call Russ's Tree Service, 414-422-9298. Uh, I specialize in hard and difficult trees to remove. I have a crane, bucket trucks, uh, spider lift, all sorts of specialized equipment in a little low loader so I don't do much damage to articulated loader to do much damage to people's lawns. Everything's kind of turf friendly. Cool. You're doing the, the difficult trees because of uh, the adrenaline rush, right? Not for the dollar? Yeah, that's kind of, <laughs> like, like you, I've always liked doing stuff that was an adrenaline rush, yeah, and the bigger and harder it is to do, and, and I guess keeps your mind thinking because you always got to come up with different scenarios to get things down without breaking anything. Yep, critical thought is a fun process. It's yeah. Ending. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you for taking time out of the woods to be on the show. Um, that said, everyone, hopefully you learned something from this. We're going to let you go, okay? Thank you. All right, have a nice you. night. You too. Want to just take a quick moment to say thank you again for Terry, uh, to Terry for being on the show. Um, he's got 18 years of coyote hunting experience in 10 different states, including Wisconsin, and has around 550 kills under his belt. So if you're looking for some adrenaline-based hunting, this is something to definitely look into. Um, and then as far as the calling goes, the the main thing I picked up on this is to just be creative. Um, Terry had mentioned he, he called in, uh, you know, a flock of crows to make it seem more natural. And I told him it's kind of like being, it's like he's a wildlife sorcerer calling in animals to, to kind of give you some cover, some sound cover to make sure you're not heard and to make it more natural and create that environment. That's freaking awesome. And it's highly creative. And the best thing you can possibly do is learn as many different types of callings as you can and or if you got the money for it you can get those all on the electronic call which seem to be expensive at the higher end closer to 900 to 1000 bucks so maybe maybe you want to start with a mouth call or something anyway uh again trying to keep things moving along here so i have a lot more to do tonight and i will let everyone go thanks again for listening if you could do me a favor give me a rating on itunes i'd really appreciate it positive hopefully not negative and uh i'm public have a great night